Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to uh, the gospel according to St. John chapter number 12. Gospel according to St. John chapter number 12. We are in a series continuing called The Blessed Life. This is the second to last message in that series. And every week we've been going through God's word, understanding uh, how he would like us to live as it relates to giving, not just our resources, but our lives, uh, our time, uh, our, our treasure as well. What's been amazing is every single weekend, we've had testimonies of what God is doing in the lives of people that have been impacted by this message. So here's one of the things that I would like to do, okay? Uh, how many people have a cell phone? Okay. How many people have a cell phone with a good camera on it? How many people are nerdy enough to know how many megapixels you have on your phone and you're just proud of it for no reason, all right? It's like eight of you. You're like, I have 16 megapixels and I can see gnats on a cow's eyelash, okay, whatever. Um, Here's what I would like you all to do. I would like you to take that camera that you make your beautiful selfies with and post on Instagram or you record your stuff on Facebook Live and I would like to just give you the opportunity to share your testimony. We've had so many people come through Guest Central to share their testimonies of what God is doing uh, but we know that there's more. So if you would just share your testimony, email it to us. You can just use info at embassycity.com. We would love to hear your testimony. Now, uh, this is not a funeral but we would like them to be two minutes or less. Okay, keep your comments to two minutes or less. And uh, just edit yourself. We would love to show the rest of our residents and our visitors what God is doing through your life. And so uh, we want to give you an opportunity. It's the 2018 testimony service. Okay. So use that uh, to your benefit and our benefit as well. John chapter number 12. I want to read the first eight verses. If you're taking notes, the title of this message is, am I generous? Am I Generous. I want it to be done in first person uh, because I want you to answer the question. And also, when you share it with people, I don't want you, you know, if they say, hey, what, what did the pastor preach this weekend? You say, well, are you generous? And you're like, I don't know, are you? Right? It gets confusing. So, am I generous? I want you to answer the question for yourself. Here's what it says in John chapter number 12, starting at the, sixth, starting at the first verse. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus's honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard and she anointed Jesus's feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth the year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. I love this. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples money, he often stole from stole some for himself. Jesus replied, let her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Am I generous? 
want you to think about John chapter 12, these first eight verses, and what an extravagant moment this is. First of all, what an amazing day this is. This is about two months after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and he's over his friend's house for dinner. Can you imagine what that dinner was like? There would have been no struggle for dinner conversation on this day. Jesus comes over, they prepare a meal, they all sit down. Lazarus is there alive. If I'm one of the disciples, I'm starting off the conversation. Everybody's passing the meal. Everybody's getting some stuff on their plate. And I'm going to be like, so Lazarus. Hey, man. Got some questions for you. So, yo, you were dead. Like, did you feel it? Like, how did you, did you, did you, did you, do you know, do you remember anything? Because, I, I mean, I got punched in the face before and I fell asleep for like a minute, but like you were dead. And we know where you were dead. When you woke up, were you scared? Were you scared? Were you, I mean, you heard Jesus' voice. You woke up. You were still in grave clothes. We didn't even come down there. You hopped out, bro. Did, was, that, was that weird for you? Hopping around? How did you even, did you just follow his voice? Like, I mean, did, did you smell? I mean, like, I know what morning breath smell, smells like, but death breath? What? Exactly how? It just, I'm just... What was, hmm, I just got questions for Lazarus. It's a great day when your friend who's been dead is back alive and you're over his house to eat dinner with him. It's a good day. And Martha, of course, is busy uh, uh, making sure everything is prepared. And in the middle of this extravagant meal happening in this celebratory moment, Mary walks in. When she walks in, She's carrying this box of perfume that Judas says is worth a year's wages. Now, we don't actually know if it was a year's wages or not. We don't know if Judas was exaggerating or if he really knew the cost of this oil. But suffice it to say, uh, would you think it's an extravagant gift if you took what you make in a year and bought some perfume? And sprayed it on Jesus' feet. Anybody beside me think that a year's salary, not like you save for two weeks. The money that you make in the year, you go and buy some perfume, you pour it on Jesus' feet. The other synoptic gospel says that she anointed his head as well. This is an extravagant gift displayed in an extravagant moment by a Jewish woman who puts her hair down, lays her hair down in public to wipe his feet with her hair. This is a bold, dynamic, extravagant moment that's displayed. And the only person that has a comment is the thief. Like, nobody else says a word. They know this is an amazing moment. This is kind of like a holy hush. And he's calculating in his head, is that Chanel? (laughs) 
That is like the, that, 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 there's only like, there was only three bottles of that made. That, 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 that's worth a year's salary. I can't, that could have been given to the poor. Was, I love the Bible because it's so transparent. They want to let you know that this guy who's so concerned about this being given to the poor is a thief. So he's not counting up the money because he really wants it to be given to the poor. He wanted to be given to him so he could take his off the top and then give the rest to the poor. Jesus says, let her alone. She's doing a great thing. She's preparing my body for burial. The poor you're going to have what you always, but I'm not going to always be around. This is, there's an extravagant moment that is displayed here, and it really speaks to Mary's generosity in this moment. She would take something that is so precious and so expensive and pour it on the Savior's feet. There's three points that I want you to have to this message, and please uh, write these down. Point number one, uh, I want to talk about the enemy of generosity. The enemy of generosity. I'm going to give you the answer because it's very, very simple. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. Here's what it says in Philippians 2 verses 3 through 5. Don't be selfish. Amen. You guys have a great day. Love you. Point number one is over. Let's go to point number two. Then we can go to brunch. Good. I love the Bible. It's just right there. The first three words. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Sit down. Be humble. Sit down. Hold up. Hold up. Be humble. That is the message Bible remixed for urban contexts. I don't know. Uh, be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That's great stuff right there. Don't be selfish. You know why? Jesus wasn't selfish. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. And here's what he said. Have the same attitude that Christ had. King James says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He wasn't selfish. Could you imagine if Jesus was selfish? Could you imagine if we've waited since Genesis 3.15, the first messianic prophecy given with promise, the seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent and he shall bruise his heel. We wait 4,000 years for Jesus. We wait 30 more years for him to start his earthly ministry. He does three and a half years of his earthly ministry and then goes, you know what? I'm just thinking, I don't feel like dying for y'all. I mean, I've been preaching for three and a half years. Y'all barely even do what I say. My own disciples don't even understand what I'm saying. I'm preaching the plainest messages. If I say this seed is going to fall into the ground and die, what revelation do you need to get off that? Why would you come to me after, Master? What did you mean by that? I meant what I said. You know what? I'm not dying for y'all. Matter of fact, cloud, come now. I'm out. There'd be no book of Acts. There'd be no nothing. It would be like Jesus came. He did some amazing stuff. And then all of a sudden, he just got mad and left. Could you imagine if he was selfish? If he decided not to be an extravagant giver, we wouldn't all be here right now. Anybody had a selfish day besides me? You ever had a day where you got up in the morning and was like, I'm, mm -mm, no, not today. I don't, nope, don't feel like doing it today. Call in sick. Hey, I'm sick. 
Well, you looked perfect yesterday. No, no, I'm sick. (laughs) Believe me when I tell you, I am sick and I will not be in today. Hang up the phone. I'm sick of being at this job, right? I didn't say all of that on the phone with you. I just didn't think you could handle it. But if you want to know what my sickness is today, it's y'all. It's all y'all. It's not even, it's not me, it's you, okay? The enemy of generosity is selfishness. And here's what God is saying. He's saying, don't be selfish. Have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. Have his same attitude. Partake of his same attitude. Now, I want to read you another scripture because this is very, very important. When we think about selfishness and we think about how it's the enemy to generosity, a lot of us don't see it in context to it being a temptation. Well, I'm here to tell you it is a temptation. It's a temptation to be selfish, like any other temptation. But, but there's a scripture that's, that uh, I feel like applies uh, to this that a lot of people have only kind of designated for lust or for anger or something like that. And it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Here's what it says. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Hey, amen for that sentence. Okay. Here, here's what I love about that sentence. It, it calibrates everybody and it equalizes everybody. Here's what the writer is saying under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Whatever you're going through, somebody else has gone through it. Whatever you're tempted by, somebody else is being tempted by the same thing. One of the enemy's number one tactics is to make you believe that what you are struggling with, you're the only one that's struggling with it. What you are tempted by, you're the only person tempted by. And what it leads to is a standoff uh, in community with other believers. Because we put on the front as if everything is okay all the time. Or that we don't have any temptations. How's everything going? Oh, I'm good and blessed and highly favored. No, you're not all the time. But when those times come, if you haven't been given permission to be honest, open, and transparent, then we start to create the Christian narrative That makes things seem okay when they're really not. Here's what the writer is saying. Whatever you're tempted by, somebody else has been tempted by it. Whatever you're struggling with, somebody else is struggling with the same thing. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I want you to apply this to every area of your life. Not just uh, the areas that, that, that we've tried to, again, designate them to. Well, if you're lusting, make sure that you take the way of escape. And if, if you're tempted sexually, make sure you t- take the way of escape. Hey, if you're tempted selfishly, take the way of escape and be generous. When, when you want to be selfish, take the way of escape and be generous. God will always provide a way of escape so that you'll be able to endure the temptation. A lot of people always like to quote, he won't put more on you than you can bear. That's true. But what we often leave absent is the fact that he provides the way of escape. If you if you're looking for a way out, he'll give you a way out. But you have to be looking for it. Okay. so point number one is the enemy of generosity. Point number two, write this down. The extravagance of generosity. This is is one of my favorite points. The extravagance of generosity. Here's the definition for extravagant. I love this definition. Exceeding the bounds of reason as actions, demands, opinions, or passions. 
I love this first one, exceeding the bounds of reason. When, when you give extravagantly, you are exceeding the bounds of reason. Like people will literally be going, I have no idea why you did that. That makes no sense. This is why Judas was so appalled and disrupted by Mary's gift, because it was extravagant. It exceeded the bounds of reason. Why would you take some perfume that costs a year's salary and put it at Jesus' feet? This exceeds the bounds of reason. Well, let me tell you something. Every extravagant gift given to the Lord exceeds the bounds of reason. The most extravagant gift given is God bringing his son to die for our sins. It's an extravagant gift that exceeds the bounds of reason. What he says is you have an opportunity to participate that, participate in that as well. Second Corinthians chapter number eight, verse number five says this. They even did more than we hoped. And if you read it from verse number one, he's talking about Paul is talking about the Macedonian church that raised up an offering for the church in Jerusalem, because that's where it all started. And what he said about them in the earlier verses is that they gave what they could and even what they couldn't give. They gave. And he says they even did more than we hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to. I love this second uh, sentence for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. Listen, the most extravagant gift you can give to the Lord is not money. It's not resources. It's you. The most extravagant gift you can give to God is you. Every time someone comes into a relationship with Jesus Christ, they are giving God the most extravagant gift that could ever be given, which is themselves. When we turn our lives over to God and say, God, I want you to have your way and your will in my life. We are giving him something absolutely extravagant. There are some people uh, in the Bible that did some extravagant things. But before I tell you who those people are, I want you, I want to break down to you the three different types of offerings. OK, the three different types of offerings. And I've put just two words at the end of each one of them, because I feel like uh, this will give you a context if you're talking to others. OK, so please write these down. The three levels of giving tithes is uh, number one. And, and if you want to describe that to anybody, just say that you're giving back Be because the tithe doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. So, so, so when you get what you get in, the first belongs to God. You just give him back what is his. Tithes is giving back. Offerings, write this down, is giving because. Tithes is giving back because it doesn't belong to you. But offerings is giving because. I, I, I like to tithe because uh, uh, I'm in a covenant relationship with God. But, but I also like giving just because. Anybody like me, I just like giving because it's just fun. Now, now, now here's the thing that happened. Um, I, I didn't know how much of a giving because giver I was going to be until we got our Embassy City app. Okay, when we got our Embassy City app and we could give through the app, um, my giving because went through the roof. And the reason why I went through the roof is because I was demoing it to people so that they can know how easy it was to give. 
So when I'm showing them, I'm like, oh, man, look how easy this is. Well, then I have to put a dollar amount in there, right? And if I just put a dollar, they're going to look at me like, you are cheap. So I couldn't, I had to like, uh, I'm like, let me give 20, okay? So, but I demoed too much. And so my giving because went through the roof because I was demoing too much. But then I'm just like, well, God, you're good. So, yeah, I'll give. I don't just tithe. I give offerings just because. For no reason. I love my wife, too. I like doing things for her just because. I love my kids, so I love doing things for them just because. And I love giving to the Lord's church, and I love giving to organizations that help to advance and expand the kingdom of heaven. I just give just because. Here's the third level of giving, and it's extravagant giving. Extravagant offerings. And if you need two words to put by that, it's these two words, giving bold. Tithes is a return to God. You're giving what what belongs to him back. Offerings is giving just because. But extravagant offerings, it's giving boldly. Let me me explain an extravagant offering. Uh, Would you refer to what Mary did for Jesus as extravagant? Okay. Now, now, would you also agree that she had good reason to be that extravagant? Two months earlier, her brother was dead. Two months earlier, she had a funeral for her brother and buried him. And when Jesus showed up, she was like, "Nah, keep him in there. He stinks. She's like, he'll be resurrected at the last day. We know all of that. And he goes, no, I'm going to do it now. So here it is two months later. and She's like, I'm so overwhelmed by what you did. I just want to give you some. It doesn't even come close to the life you gave me back. But here's an extravagant offering that I want to give to you. And it was done boldly. She lets down her hair in public, wipes his feet. It's done boldly and extravagantly. And we all have an opportunity from time to time to display extravagant offerings. I'm going to show you some people that did it in scripture uh, so you can get a context to what's going on. First um, Chronicles chapter 29, go and read it when you have time. But David gave 112 tons of gold and 262 tons of refined silver for the building of the temple out of his own pockets. It's not something that was given by the people. David said, here's what I'm going to give of my own personal offering. 112 tons of gold, not like strands. Like Mr. T has like 112 necklaces, (laughs) at least. But 112 tons of gold and 262 tons of refined silver. If that was adjusted for today's economy, it's over $20 billion. That is bawling out of control on a different level. We're going to build a temple to worship our God. And how much are you giving, David? 20 billion? (laughs) Amen for you. It's great. Won't be matching that, but you're awesome. You're king, not me. He gives an extravagant offering. And here's what happens. Here's some of the responses you get to extravagant offerings. Sometimes it's like Judas. If you have a religious spirit, it don't take all that. You did not have to do all that. 112 tons, David, for real? You needed all that gold? You think God needs all that silver? 262 tons of it, David, for real? I'm not sure if you remember David's story. 
But he's been made king when the person that used to be king tried to kill him. And he has to go into exile and God brings him back and restores the kingdom under his name. See, what happens is when God's been really, 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 really good to you, you get really, 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 really extravagant with your giving. Now, he financed the temple, but he didn't build it. Solomon is the one who built the temple. Here's what Solomon brought for his offering. And, and you can see this in 2 Chronicles 7 and 5. This is what Solomon brought himself. This is just crazy. Again, remember what the definition is, okay, to extravagant, exceeding the bounds of reason. Here's his offering. 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats as the offering to sacrifice to the Lord. So let's pause. Um, if I'm the priest on that day, <laughs> Solomon comes up like, hey, I have a personal offering that I want to give to the Lord. No problem. He's like, I have uh, several cows that I would like to sacrifice and I would have uh, several um, uh, sheep and goats that I would like to sacrifice. Man, Solomon, you are amazing. You're just like your daddy. Just as generous as you want to be. You gave 20 billion and now you got some cattle that you want to bring. All right, bring it up here. And, and it's, 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 it's not 1,000 cattle. It's not 5,000. It's 22,000 cattle. And then it's 120,000 sheep and goats. I just want you to get your knife out and think about how long of a day this is. Oh. That's, that's all your cows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 22,000. We count it. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. Go get all my ministers in training. Go get everybody. Get everybody that has a call on their life to be a priest. <laughs> Starting from five. Because I can't count all this by myself. Why? This is ridiculous. Until you remember... <laughs> That the kingdom was about to go to one of Solomon's brothers. And David on his deathbed gets up enough strength to install Solomon as king to preserve the promise that God wanted to give to the children of Israel. See, when you've been really, 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 really blessed, you start to give really, 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 really extravagantly. Some of you might be thinking, that's great, Tim. I'm never going to sow a $20 billion seed. You can forget it. And I don't have any animals. I don't even like dogs. So there'll be no, there'll be no sacrifice of any animals. I, I want to give you one more person that Jesus himself says was an extravagant giver. It's found in Mark chapter number 12, verses 41 through 44. It's a story about a widow who had two coins. Scripture says that Jesus was sitting in the temple watching people drop offerings in the collection box he said that they were all wealthy people that were giving a little bit of their resources and putting it in the offering box and then this widow shows up with two coins drops them in the offering box and Jesus says that woman gave more than anybody else in the room because everybody else in the room gave a little bit of a lot that they had, a just because offering. 
But this woman gave all that she had, an extravagant offering. If anybody was going to keep it, it needed to be this poor woman with these two coins. And she comes into the presence of the Lord, and I can only imagine what's going through her mind before dropping those two coins in the collection. I'm poor and I'm a widow, but I still have my faith in God. I still have my covenant relationship, and I want to make sure that he knows how extravagantly I feel about having him in my life. And she gives. Now, when you have the opportunity to give an extravagant offering, there's one or two ways you feel about it. The one that you feel the least is the one that I get to give 20 billion. Dun, 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 dun. I get to give 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. There's some people that, 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 that get excited when they get to give that much, but here's how it lands on uh, most of us, especially if you've never given an extravagant offering. God says something like this. You're planning a trip to Cabo. You've saved up $5,000. You and your honey, three years. We're going to Cabo. We didn't get to do it on our honeymoon, but we're going to do it for our third year anniversary. And we saved this money up. We budgeted right. We've been tithing. We've been giving just because, but we've been saving this money. And then the Holy Spirit says, I want you to give that $5,000. And you go, mm. Mm. Wow. Mm. I bind you, Satan. I come against every dark principality trying to come against my Cabo trip. I rebuke you, Satan. No, no, you're not telling me to give this money. I don't care anything about Tim's message in this series. Great message. I am generous already. I already answered the question before he even got to point one. I am. And I'm going to Cabo with my generosity in Jesus' name. But it kind of starts eating at you a little bit. And you're like, (laughs) so then you go, well, I have to be in agreement with my spouse. So I'm going to go talk to her and go to your spouse and you say, honey, I feel like the Lord says something to me and I want to share it with you because, you know, we have to be in unity. We are one. Well, what is it, honey? Well, I felt like, you know, the trip we're going to take to Cabo. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I felt like I know this is crazy, but I'm just going to tell you. Um. I feel like the Lord said that we need to give the 5,000 that we set aside in the offering. And your spouse goes, that's the devil right there. I bind that spirit and that dark principality that's trying to block us from going to Cabo. And you're like, that's exactly what I said. See, we're in agreement. See, Lord, this can't be you. We're not in agreement. We got to be in unity. This cannot be you. And then you go off and she goes off and. The Lord starts dealing with your heart. The Lord starts dealing with her heart. A couple of days later, she comes back. Honey, yeah? Yeah, I need to talk to you about this trip. Yeah, Cabo trip. You know, we bound Satan, cast him out. He's fleed from us. I already got, I looked at the, this scuba day is going to be amazing. And it's going to be, we're going to have a great time. And she's like, yeah, so actually, I think, I actually think it's the Lord that we're supposed to give that money. And you go, mm-mm, baby. A double-minded woman is unstable in all her ways. 
Baby, you got to stand. You got to be resolute. You said no. Don't change your mind now. Girl, God has spoken to you. We need to be in agreement. And she's like, no, no, I, I think we're supposed to give it. And then you go back and pray and then you get confirmation. I, we are supposed. Now, here's what happens. The, the first thing that happens is a little bit of dread. You're like, oh, after the dread comes the fear. You got a lot of stuff you can do with it. Like it stops being even about the Cabo trip. You're like, you could have paid off the medical bills. You, you didn't think about that when you were saving for Cabo. Now, all of a sudden you're like, but you could have reduced your student loan. You could advance this thing and been done by six more months. And now God wants you to give it to him. This can't be him. You start praying through it and you get past the fear and the reasoning. Because remember, extravagance is outside the bounds of reason. You get past the fear and the reason all of a sudden you start going. A boldness hits you. You're like, we're going to give this. Write the check. Let's go. We're not waiting until Sunday. Let's drive up there on Tuesday. Whoever answers the door, put it in their hand. I just want it out of my hands. I just want to do what the Lord tells me to do. And something breaks when we allow God to push us beyond the bounds of reason to trust him and his faithfulness with our giving. Which brings me to point number three. Point number three is simply the reward of generosity. This is what Mark chapter number 14, verse nine says. This is the end of the same story that we read in John chapter number 12. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed, what was the deed? That she gave extravagantly to the Lord this expensive box of perfume. This woman's deed will be remembered and discussed Jesus is not going to allow his word to come back void. This has come to pass in your hearing because we're preaching about that woman right now. Wherever the gospel is preached, this woman's deed is going to be shared and discussed. I had um, an incredible thing happen last weekend. After uh, the service last weekend... We had several people come up in Guest Central just to say hi, first-time visitors. And there's uh, one young lady who is not a first-time visitor, but she was kind enough to allow the first-time visitors uh, to say hi first. And I, and I appreciate, because some of y'all, y'all, not, y'all haven't been a first-time visitor since we started the church. And you still come to Guest Central like, hello. <laughs> and I'm fine with it, but I, but I appreciate when you do let the real first-time visitors come and get a hug first before my, you know, 9,782nd visitor, who's also a resident and a faithful tither and a giver, uh, comes to say hi. That's, that's fantastic. She waits to the end. She comes up to me and she says, hey, I got to tell you something. Um, uh, God's been speaking to me and there's something that I have to do uh, right now. I'm like, okay. So she goes to tell me the story that uh, she's uh, been under uh, uh, the ministry that God has given to me since I was a young adult pastor at the Potter's house. And she used to come to our young adult ministry on Friday nights. And she actually, uh, declared that Friday night was really her church community. She was like, I, I just felt like I was called to you and that you're my pastor. She said, and when you left the church, uh, and transitioned and began to travel, I felt like I lost my pastor. And so, um, I started tithing, uh, and putting it to the side for whenever you started a church. 
Just so you have context, it was five years in between my transition from Potter's House to us planting this church, Gateway sending us to plant this church. And she was a missionary, so off and on, uh, 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 she would go on mission trips and stuff like that. But whenever she had a job, she would set aside her tithe. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. When she started coming to the church, when she joined the church, she just started paying her tithes, just picking up where she left off. But she never included that, that money she had been saving. So she comes up to me last weekend and she says, so, so here's my situation I'm in now. Um, I only have $800 to my name. I just got laid off my job and I'm in the middle of a legal battle right now. But uh, God reminded me of this money that I had been saving and she had been saving it in cash. God reminded me of this money and, and I have to give this money to you because it does not belong to me. So she was like, I don't know if it goes to you personally or to Tim Ross Ministries or the Embassy City Church. She was like, but I got to get it out of my hands. And so she picks up this uh, uh, this tote bag that's rolled up and she just hands me this money. Now, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me the entire time she's been talking. And he told me a specific instruction while she was speaking. I said, OK, I'll do exactly what you tell me to do. So I get I get it. And, and uh, she goes, well, I'm going to leave now. I just, I just needed to get, the, I feel better. I just had to give it to you. I said, oh, well, thank you. So I gave her a hug. And right when she turns around to walk away, I beckon uh, my friend Rory, hey, come over here real quick. And I hand off uh, the money to him. And I say, would you please go count this in the back real quick? He goes, yes. And then before she can get out the door, I said, hey, can you wait a couple of minutes? It was very like Ocean's Eleven, the way we did it. It was really smooth. Bang, bang, bang. Like, it was just one of them moments, just pow, 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 okay? He took it, boom, he's in the room. And I'm like, hey, can you wait for 10 minutes? Because I, I just need to talk to a couple other people. Then I just want to get back to you. I just got one more thing to tell you. She was like, what? Like, she was ready to go. Like, she was stomping, right? And uh, so, she, so she goes to wait. So, so I, I hug a couple of more people, and then I go into the back room. Rory's still counting the money. This had to be another, before I came in the room, another 10, 15 minutes? Easy, right? I come in the back. Rory's still counting, okay? And it's all cash. Like, it, like it looks like the best drug deal had happened. Like, it looked like the best night at the trap house had... It was, it was a lot of stacks. It was several thousand dollars in cash. And he was still counting it. He told me where he was in the count, but he was still counting. And immediately the enemy said, that, you need to keep that. That's your money. God wanted to bless you. And here's the thing. I have a legitimate need that we're believing God for right now. And the enemy tried to say, that, that money is for you. But the God had already spoken to me earlier. Remember, he provides a way of escape. He will always provide a way of escape when you're tempted to be selfish when he's giving you an instruction on what to do with the money. So he's counting it out, counting it out. So he gets it all counted. When he gets it all counted, I said, okay, uh, uh, take 10% out of what you just counted and then give the rest to me. So he took 10% out. I said, put that in a separate envelope, give the rest to me. I said, now call her back in here. So she comes back in. She sits down. I said, hey, Wow. Man, I mean, five years worth of tides. You were dead serious. Good Lord. And she's just like, yeah. 
she has $800 to her name facing a legal battle and is unemployed and never thought about touching this money. She goes, hey, I just had to give it to you. I said, well, yeah, and, and you did. Wow. I said, so, um, yeah, so uh, let me tell you what the Lord told me while you were talking. She goes, okay. I said, why were you talking and telling me about this whole thing? Um, the Holy Spirit told me that whatever is in that bag, take the tithe out and give the rest back to her. And she goes, what? I said, yeah. So I handed it to her. Well, she, well, she didn't actually take it. I tried to hand it to her and she was like. <laughs> so I just kind of put it <laughs> on the couch next to her. She was looking at it like, no, no, no. This is like my tithe and I, no, I can't keep it. I said, no, no, you don't understand. Um, you gave it to me, right? She was like, yeah. I said, and did you listen to the message? That when we tithe, God blesses the rest. Whatever we want to do with it, he, can, he will bless it. And he told me to give it back to you, so I'm giving it to you. She said, no, 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 you don't understand. That would be, listen, that would be all the money I have to my name. I was like, yeah. And you gave it, and now I'm giving it back to you. You obey God, I want to obey God. And she goes, no. I don't this makes no, I'm sitting here, but this doesn't make any sense. And I was like, it doesn't have to make sense. I think God's trying to probably prove a point to you. I think he's trying to prove a point to you. And you made it so easy. It was in cash. It wasn't a check that had to be, you know, clear the bank. And then I got to cut you another one four days. Man, this was awesome. You made this transaction super easy. <laughs> Embassy City ties 10% of everything that comes into, do you know, since we started the church, we, we live and do everything we do off 90% of what comes in. Because we take 10% out and put it in another account that goes to bless the body of Christ and the residents of Embassy City. This is what we've been called to do. So she goes, I, I don't know. Okay, oh, well, okay. And I said, well, yeah. Gave her a hug. So we start walking out. Walk out the door. And she turns the corner to start heading toward her car. She takes several steps. Because she was kind of catatonic in, on the couch. It was just all, she was trying to process it. So she turns the corner and she starts walking towards her car. And after several steps, she just went, ah! <laughs> Yo, I'm not lying to you. Just hit her, just like that. Like, just spontaneous combusted. Just, it all, you, you have a bag full of money that you just gave. And they just gave it back. It's so, I, I scared the baby. I scared that child. He's having the best sleep of his life. My voice was so soothing. And then I woke that baby up. Oh, Lord have mercy. But it's my sermon, so I'm going to do it again. Ah! <laughs> listen, listen, bring the baby to me after the service and I'll. I will comfort him. Uh, that woman turned the corner, yet out a yell, let out a yell, got near the car. For the baby's sake, I'll do it quieter. Ah! Yelled again, then got in the car, reversed it, ah! and drove off. Ah! There's a reward for generosity. Listen, and I'm not promising you that the reward 
is money back. Sometimes you need your emotions back. Sometimes you need a relationship restored. Sometimes you need a breakthrough spiritually. What I can guarantee you is that there is a reward for being generous. The coolest thing about this story is that it didn't happen four years ago. It happened seven days ago. I believe God is trying to prove a point real time for us at Embassy City to let us know that what we're doing and what we're teaching is something that he wants to bless. And so if you could let go of your selfishness and you could understand generosity then that there would be a reward that you receive when you're generous, then you can answer the question boldly. Am I generous? Yes. And when you live with a heart that is pointed towards generosity, you will live the blessed life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.